the Gritty Growing Up podcast. Because mental health conversations don't have to be uncomfortable and argumentative. Gritty Growing Up is about challenging the perceptions of childhood and recognising that whilst it isn't what it used to be, we can still make it positive. Join us as we share conversations, knowledge and strategies to help your family connect and move forward together. And welcome back to Gritty Growing Up, navigating childhood in the 21st century. This week, we're diving into mental health and exploring why it's not just breathing and hashtags and what you need to know to best help your family. Now, with the explosion of social media, the open opportunity to be able to critique, to attack and troll from behind a screen, a change in our attitudes in society and a real naivety about mental health and the impact it has on each person. How do we educate a population about true kindness and not a hashtag that's just used when they feel like it? In the last few years, with the loss of some influential and much-loved media stars such as Caroline Flack and Robin Williams to mental health challenges, just how much do you know about mental health and how comfortable do you feel about talking about it with your children? And even more, just how responsible are you in your own social media usage and how much awareness do you have in order to be able to support and role model to your children. Now mental health is universal. We all have it, we all need it and we all float back and forth on that continuum of positive and mental health throughout our lifetimes. The charity Mind state that one in four people will experience a mental health problem in each year and one in six people experience a common mental health problem such as anxiety in any given week in England. So these are things that affect all of us. And the reality is that at some point, at least one person in the household will have mental health issues. But would you know how to see it, how to react, what to do? Now, the thing with mental health is that we all talk about it. There's posts on social media, there's posters in the workplaces, there's leaflets in the doctor's surgery and adverts on the television. But when faced with it, many people still don't know what to do. And why is that? Why is it that something that affects one in four people is so rarely educated about, so rarely spoken about, and whilst we might discuss it, we don't actually get into the nitty gritty of it. We just do the superficial things. We share posts on Facebook. We ask everyone else to share them with us. But are we actually making the problem better? Whilst our awareness is high and the government's recently committed £79 million worth of investment, How is it possible that our comfort zone in talking about mental health is so poor, even now? So I want you to think about your friendship group for today. For just a moment, think about your workplace, your family, your immediate group of friends, and just think for a moment if you know someone with anxiety, depression, phobias, ruminations, disordered eating, intrusive thoughts, self-harm, someone who's currently grieving, has a personality disorder, OCD, PTSD, a dissociative disorder, or who has even experienced some kind of trauma. Do you know what the signs and symptoms are? Do you know what a psychological crisis looks like? Do you feel comfortable talking to your friends and family and your colleagues about their mental health? And even more, do you know how to support it? Do you know where to signpost? Do you know what's available to help them? The issue with mental health is you don't walk around with a neon sign on. We don't have this big neon sign on our head that says, I have mental health issues. But for a handful of members of society, it's believed that having a mental health problem means that you cannot function. 
we have so many labels, so many perceptions and so many barriers that we still need to break down. Because let's face it, you can be a fully functioning member of society and be battling depression. You can be holding down a full-time job and still be self-harming. You can be a high-achieving student and have PTSD. You can be running a home and parenting your children and be riddled with anxiety. There's nothing to discriminate, there's nothing to stop, and there's nothing to prevent anybody from having a mental health issue. So how do you ensure that you are aware of what's happening at all times? How do we spot those problems? How do we open our eyes and see what's occurring? What stops people telling us that they're struggling? And what stands in the way of accessing help? There are so many signs and symptoms that indicate mental health. And it can take us days to reel off the lists and to identify all the different things and all the different indicators. Primarily, something that you might just notice is something is just a bit different. Whether it's your little one complaining of tummy aches and sickness in the morning before school, children with headaches, partners that are suddenly bursting into tears for no reason, complaints of feeling sad or low or bored that are just a little bit more frequent than usual. Maybe there's a family member who's currently withdrawing or isolating themselves from others. You've noticed that there's just not small worries or fears that are suddenly setting in or panic attacks at certain times of day or just before particular activities. Maybe sleep has become a bit of an issue, whether it's not being able to fall asleep, having too much sleep, not enough sleep, nightmares, night terrors. Maybe it's a sudden change in nutrition, eating more, eating less, changes in weight, complaining of nausea at mealtimes or making excuses not to eat. Maybe you've noticed that those lunch wrappings are just coming home every single day and nothing's been eaten. Maybe you've got a child who's regressed at past behaviours. Bedwetting, thumb sucking, nail biting, talking in a very childlike voice. Maybe they're just point blank refusing to leave the house. So many signs, so many symptoms of mental health and so many things that we need to be aware of. And it starts with us educating ourselves actually picking up the leaflets in the doctor's surgery and reading them, popping over to Mind and the Young Minds website and actually reading up about different issues that affect our families. So that when we do see it, it rings a bell, it makes us actually click and think, oh, hang on a second, that might be something I need to just keep a check in. But how do we truly open our own eyes? It starts, I think, personally, with challenging our own stereotypes. What are the negative connotations that you hold about mental health? Deep, deep down, if you were truly to be honest, and maybe it's something that you wouldn't tell a friend or family member or even your boss, but do you really think that it's just laziness? Do you think it's an excuse, ridiculous, vanity, attention-seeking? Do you think it's a sign of a lack of strength? Do you think it can be caught? Is it influenced? Do you not want your children playing with other children with mental health issues? We need to recognise our bias. Do we have biased or flawed beliefs surrounding mental health? Do we have a belief that they don't want to help themselves? That it's not recoverable? Are they overly pessimistic? Do we feel that we're overly pessimistic about mental health? Do we think it only happens to certain groups of people, whether it's those people that take part in risky behaviours or those people that hang out in certain places or wear certain clothes? Do we just think it won't ever happen to our family? Do we think that 
what it happens just impacts everyone else. It's something that happens in other parts of the world. It doesn't happen in your neighbourhood. Do you think that that person might personally be to blame for it? Are you relying on heavily out-of-date information? Challenge your upbringing. Did you grow up in a house that talked about feelings, emotions, mental health? Were you taught that expressing your feelings was a sign of weakness? Were you shown that putting your emotions in the cupboard and pretending they don't exist is actually a sign of strength and that's how we get on with it and that's how we cope? Did you learn that actually if we have mental health issues that we tell people about, it might limit our opportunities? Do you have family members that work in particular professions that the belief system is that you can't tell someone if you're struggling because it will impact your ability to proceed? Did you learn that sharing your struggles was a negative, a sign of weakness? And then check in with your discomfort. Do big emotions make you feel uncomfortable? Does talking about gritty subjects like self-harm and suicidal thoughts make you angry, distressed, sad, scared? Is it your default to completely overreact, whether it's to cry, to blame, to shout, to disengage or hide and ignore? Because recognising our own limitations is the first step to getting out of our own way. We need to recognise that our own stereotypes and preconceptions about mental health, we need to notice them, we need to challenge them. Through education, conversation, research and listening, or even better, go and have your own course of therapy. Open yourselves up to be better supporters and better advocates for yourself and for your family. So what actually stops people from doing this? Why is it that mental health is rife, that we've just come out of a pandemic and mental health is through the roof, that the children and adolescent mental health team's waiting list is so huge that we know that most of those children are never going to be seen? Why is it that we know that the majority of these young people are going to fall through the net, they're not going to be seen and the risks are going to be increased for them? Why is it that sometimes we don't even notice the mental health that's happening in our own households? Because it's not because you don't love your children. It's not because you don't care, because I know that the very fact that you're listening today tells me that you care more than anything. What we don't have is enough awareness, enough knowledge, enough education to understand what this is all about. So what does stop people? Telling someone that you're struggling with your mental health is terrifying. When someone tells you that they're finding things hard, they bring with that information so many fears. They fear that you're going to perceive them to be a burden. They are stressed that they might not get the reaction that they want. They're terrified that they're going to be judged. They might have already tried to tell someone and it might have gone really, really wrong. So they're absolutely petrified that if they do it again and they're dismissed again, that they might never ask for help after that. They're really, really scared they're going to be dismissed. They're fearful of what you might do, what you might say and what might happen. And they might be concerned about discrimination, particularly when young people are coming to us and telling us that they're self-harming, telling us that they're using drugs, telling us that they've got suicidal thoughts. They are so scared that people are going to have the wrong reaction, that they're going to be discriminated against, that they just choose to suffer in silence, when in reality they desperately want to ask for help. And they know and we know that if they receive a negative outcome when they come to us, it can limit them from telling someone else and it can push that problem further underground. We're terrified that people are going to think badly of us and we're already on our knees and our confidence, our self-worth and our self-esteem are as flat as they can be. So we can't risk telling the wrong person. Accessing mental health starts with a conversation. 
it starts with a conversation that is perhaps one of the hardest conversations that we're ever going to have. Because when we admit that we have mental health problems, when we admit that we're really, really struggling with our emotions right now, we become the most vulnerable. So it can be really hard to articulate. How do I articulate to my family, my teachers, my closest friends that I wake up every morning and wish that I hadn't? How do I get up in the morning and tell you that I've been hurting myself? How do I get up in the morning and tell you that I'm scared that I'm going to do something and cause myself permanent harm? How do I tell you that I feel so sad that I don't want to look after myself? How do I tell you that my anxiety is so huge that the concept of walking out the front door and going to school just seems impossible? How do I tell you that when I do walk out the front door and I get to school I hide in the bathroom because I just can't face seeing anyone? How do I tell you that when you all go to bed at night, I sit up and cry because I don't know what to do? Accessing mental health starts with a conversation and so many of those conversations start too late because young people are petrified and they don't have the words. And some of that is because of a lack of role modelling. Some of it is because there's a lack of information. And a lot of it is because we have a lot of adults that are walking around who didn't live in a century where we talked about mental health enough. We're really behind. We're not as aware as we should be. And that's not a reflection of anyone failing. It's just that it's not been placed as a high enough priority up until now. Children and young people can worry that they're not going to be taken seriously. They worry that they're not going to be listened to, that they're going to be dismissed. They're ashamed, they're embarrassed, they're humiliated. They're scared and they're hurt and they're really worried. And they're concerned that if they say anything, there might be repercussions that they can't stop. There's never a perfect time to tell someone that you're struggling. For some young people, they just hope that you're going to guess. That as their parents, you're just going to work it out all on your own. They might leave you clues, they might hint, they might talk about how their friends are dealing with things. Some of them won't tell a soul, they won't say a word. Some might tell you in the car or just as they're getting out of the car and then pretend that they didn't or you didn't hear. However they might choose to tell you, however they might choose to show you, or if you just observe some signs, what we do next dictates the pathway. It dictates changing the cycle. It changes the way what comes next occurs. So we need to validate, not humiliate. We need to make sure that that child, when they come to us, whether you're their mum, their dad, their auntie, their godparent, their teacher, a professional that works with them or a member of an after-school club, that when that child comes to you and says, I'm really struggling, especially if their thoughts are really dark or those behaviours are really scary, that we are going to validate that. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. It just means that you're going to hear them and you are going to tell them that you've heard them and you're going to help. You might not even know how to help in that moment. Just don't humiliate them. Don't dismiss it. Don't tell them that it's silly or it'll pass or it doesn't matter. Don't tell them that they're silly. Don't tell them that it's their own fault because they didn't get up or they didn't do their homework or they're not making enough effort. Just be in that moment with them and tell them that you're really grateful that they felt able to tell you and that you're really pleased that you are in that position because you want to do everything you can to help them. Listen, don't judge. Unless we've been in that person's head, we have no idea what they're going through. 
and mental health when we're struggling, our thoughts and feelings can easily become negative and distorted and how we interpret what's said to us can very easily be taken out of context. The ways that memories are recalled might not be accurate, they might be interpreted in the wrong way and that might reflect how a child is currently feeling. And we can really be inclined to tell them that the way that they're feeling is incorrect, that they've misinterpreted things, that they shouldn't feel that the way that they feel. However, what they really need right now, just as we do as adults, is to feel that we're actually being taken seriously. So we need to listen with the intent to understand, not to reply, because then we can get a clear picture of actually what's happening for that person. We need to hold space for them so that they can talk and express themselves so we can work out what comes next. And you don't need to have that answer in that second. Don't feel that you need to listen and then tell them what we're going to do next. It can be as simple as I'm going to go and find out what help is available to you. Have consideration and compassion. Because in those moments when we're most vulnerable, consideration and compassion can completely change the trajectory of where we go next. It can be tempting to reach out on social media, to share it with friends, to pick up the phone and tell the world and his wife because we need support. But we need to really consider how that might be interpreted. So many young people will not tell parents, family members, close friends or even teachers what's happening because they are petrified that everyone's going to find out. So whilst we might need to reach out for some help and support, we might have a family, friend or somebody that we know who might be able to help us. We need to be very aware of just keeping that confidential, helpful, peaceful, having some dignity. Now, if you're a parent, that might be a little bit easier because you can think twice about it. If you're a teacher, then yes, you're going to have to go to the safeguarding lead, but we can still consider how these things are handled. And we just need to be very cautious about how we keep that child involved in those steps because they need to know. And so often young people will not actually approach a teacher, approach a professional for help because they're petrified that they're going to talk about them on the phone. We can have those conversations with children. We can be there. We can hold that space and we can support them. And if we do that, we're opening doors. We're showing them that these connections are strong, they're trustful and they're helpful. So just thinking through the pattern, thinking through what the next steps are can really, really help everybody. The one thing that we can't do is if we are the professional is keep it to ourselves. But we can think through what am I going to do next? What are my next steps and what do I need to consider in these? We need to tackle our own fears. We need to think about, is any of this triggering something in me? Is it something that I need to get some help, guidance, support with? Is it something that I need to develop my own understanding of? We need to connect, not isolate. When things are really uncomfortable, our own natural anxiety can kick in and it can mean that we withdraw without even noticing what we're doing. So we need to be mindful and we need to focus on how we can stay present and connected. How we can make sure that that young person knows that we're still there, that we're supporting them and that we recognise what's happening and what they need. We also need to address if we're feeling guilty because all of us want to feel that we've noticed everything but sometimes things happen and we don't. So we need to just consider if you've got any guilt that you're carrying around with you and finding a way whether that's with professional support and advice or talking to someone how you can put aside any guilt that you might have so that you can actually be most present. Leave blame at the door. There's no place for blame with mental health. It's not anybody's fault. 
your child, your partner, your friend didn't choose to have an issue with their mental health. It wasn't something they got up on a Monday morning and said, oh, today I'm going to have an eating disorder. Today I'm going to self-harm. Mental health is so much more subtle. It sneaks in the back door and takes over before we've sometimes even noticed. So being told that we've hurt our family, upset others, we've made them cry, we've made them lose sleep, that we're a nuisance can just add to those feelings that we're a burden and it can actually make that young person completely shut down. So even though you might be scared, might be terrified, you might be confused, we need to just place blame where it needs to be, back up on the shelf, absolutely out of this situation. Because in the middle of the darkness, we need a torch, we need a ladder, we need a safety set, we don't need any blame. And then we need to make a strategy. What are we going to do next? And we might not know what the next thing is, but we can talk to our young person about what the choices are. Visiting the GP, seeking out a therapist, do we need a diagnosis, do we need to reevaluate routines, do we need to look at triggers? We need to have these conversations with them so they're part of that process, so they feel involved. And we need to move together forward. We need to get out of isolation, denial and secrecy and we need to say, you know, I'm here with you and we're going to navigate this together and I know it's terrifying but we can do it. And so we need to act as a team. It might be that actually we need to take some time to step back and think, do we need to make more time to talk? In a day and age when we have more methods than ever before to be able to communicate, perhaps we communicate less than ever. We might share the photos of our best day, our show reels on social media, but do we frequently talk about the nitty gritty? Do we talk about the things that bother us most? So maybe we need to start planning in and factoring some time so that we can actually protect all of us. But also just note that if you are supporting a young person in your household with mental health issues, just to keep a close eye on any siblings who might also be impacted. Remember that recovery is a process, it's not a line. It will have ups and downs and relapses and recoveries and it will have positives and negatives and struggles and stresses. It will be worth it. But don't be disheartened if we make loads of progress and then we have a setback. Because those setbacks teach us the problem-solving skills that we need to be able to manage mental health for a lifetime. So use those moments to learn together, to support one another, and to work out what we need to do next. And last of all, don't forget to ask for help. Asking for help is a sign of strength. And although many of us have been taught that asking for help is a sign that we're not good enough or that we're not competent enough, the more we can teach our young people... And sometimes even remind ourselves that asking for help is a strength. It can allow us to recognise and to identify so many other resources and supports that are available to us. Teaching help children that asking for help is a positive trait, modelling to it and following it through means that you can help them intervene in struggles quicker. It means that they might go into school and teach their friends that asking for help is important too. The more frequently we support our children to understand that mental health is completely normal, we all have it, and sometimes it might all come out of the cupboard and scare us a little bit. It's a real positive for helping our young people become high-functioning adults in the future. So most of all, remember that the hashtags are useless if we're not walking the walk that goes with the talk. And that starts with digging inside ourselves and recognising how we feel about mental health and getting rid of any of those monsters in our own cupboards so that we have the best approach to supporting our families. 
Thank you ever so much for your time today and we'll be back next week with more Gritty Issues. Stay safe, keep open-minded and we'll look forward to sharing more Gritty Moments with you next time. If you want to up your knowledge in the meantime, head over to www.dandeliontraininganddevelopment.com.